listening to This Hong Kong Life, a podcast of stories and conversations with everyday youth across Hong Kong. Every week, we bring you episodes that reflect the unique bilingual nature of our city's culture, sharing the voices and thoughts of young people growing up and living in the city we call home. Hi, everyone. Welcome to This Hong Kong Life. Today, uh, we have Ankita. Ankita, welcome to This Hong Kong Life. Thank you for having me here. It's a great honor. So, Ankita, tell me, um, tell me a little bit about yourself, what you've been up to, uh, where you are in life at the moment, how old you are. So, right now, I'm 16 years old, and I'm going to go to my last year of high school. And going back before that, I was born in the U.S., stayed there for like three years, four years, then I moved to India for like eight years, and then I came here, and I've, I'm going to be living here for six years before I leave for university. Personally, almost a year ago, I turned vegetarian and like 90% vegan, unless my mom forces me to eat yogurt <laughs> or something. So, I mean, if it wasn't for my parents, I'd be 100% vegan, but yeah. That's just wow. our life. <laughs> okay. What was your time in India like compared yeah. to your life here in Hong Kong? So definitely like it was a huge change for me. So, I mean, there's been like small scale changes, big, like large scale changes. So if you want like an example of like a small one, it'd be like in India, you don't have actually a lot of supermarkets. It's basically their vendors who sit on the road and they have stalls. There's like this whole two kilometers of place called a market and you go there and you buy like fresh fruit and vegetables. But in Hong Kong, it's like you go to a supermarket and maybe they're packaged, but I don't know from how long. So that that would be like a small change, which was also very weird for me. Mm. And um, a bigger change would definitely be the schooling system. So in India, students, it's more about like by hearting the stuff instead of actually understanding. Mm -hmm. But here, education is way more hands-on and practical. And yeah, it's been like totally different experiences in both the countries. And I'm glad to have lived there and just uh, absorb the culture and yeah, just have fun with both my friends. Yeah, you originally Indian as well, ethnically? Yeah, yeah, ethnically Indian, yeah. Sort of when you were there, did you feel any different since you weren't born there? Feel or you felt like it was actually okay being able to just live there and, and, and interact with locals in India? I think that when I first came, I don't really remember, but what I do remember is that I was like really shy. I did not speak to anyone. Once I, I don't know if I should share this, but once I really needed to go to the bathroom at school and I was so shy that I didn't um, ask anyone and I was like four years old and I just ended up like going home and almost peeing my pants. Yeah, so I was really shy and I didn't really know how to speak Hindi because my mother tongue isn't Hindi. It's actually a different language. So I actually had to learn Hindi because that's the national language through like TV, like movies and um, just listening to people around me. But I I think later on, after I lived there for a longer time, it was definitely like, it just felt like the new normal for me. Actually, you know, it's, it's very interesting hearing you share that because I think there's a lot of young people who maybe ethnically they're also mm-hmm. Chinese and but they weren't, mm-hmm. they weren't born in Hong Kong but then they you know come mm-hmm. back to Hong Kong and then but they don't speak Cantonese but then they have to learn and it also is a process and a journey of needing to figure out the language so that you know they're 
they're able to connect better, you know, with with the community that they're growing up with here in Hong Kong. So I, I see a lot of similarities and a lot of like parallels as well. <laughs> and and Kita, you you mentioned that you, if it weren't for your family, you probably would be hundred percent mm-hmm. vegan. What inspired uh-huh. you with this? Oh, so it was actually my sister, and one day she showed me like, well, I think most people know what PETA is. It's like an animal rights uh, organization. So she showed me like their Instagram page and they had like all these, I would just say like candidly, like terrible, like videos and pictures of like animals and like what was happening to them. So more so it actually started with me being passionate about animal rights. And then later I researched more and it also deeply connected to sustainability with the rainforest being wiped out for animal agriculture, it being one of the highest polluting um, industries in the world, even more than transportation industry for those who did not know this. But yeah, I didn't know it either. And it was also new to me. And what are some of the challenges that you faced? Yeah, so the whole process started around one and a half years ago. And when I fully turned, it was like a year ago. Then I slowly started transitioning. And well, my parents still don't believe that a vegan diet can be healthy. But that, I think that's a problem for a lot of people. So if you're trying to do that, I, I would say to other people around me, like, don't feel bad if you can't be 100% right now. When you're more independent, you can obviously do what you want to do. So yeah. Did you find any other challenges in terms of like your own body or, or how you were able to access things um, differently here in Hong Kong? Yeah, so I, I would say like in the US, there's like a lot of like vegan food shops, vegan culture, but in Hong Kong, it's still not as much. And there is, I would say, a prominent meat-eating culture. Like, there is in, like, a lot of other countries, which is, like, totally fine. But for, as a vegan, sometimes I go out with friends and sometimes I have to bring out, like, my own dinner because there's nothing to eat there. But I would say that, no, once you really know why you're doing it, you're totally okay with making any, like, sacrifice, I guess. Is it, like, an opportunity to to share with your friends, you know, when you bring out your own lunchbox, you know, and you're saying, hey, it's cool that everybody's eating at the restaurant. I'm just going to also, you know, supplement my meal with this. You know, is is it an opportunity for you to share more Mm -hmm. about your passions? I mean, for those who want to know, I definitely, like, I'm like, okay, if you want to know, I'll tell you. But there's this thing that vegans always try to force their beliefs on other people, which, like, maybe some of them do. But I totally don't want to be that kind of person. So I be really, I'm really cautious all the time. And I only, like, really try to, like, tell them if they are interested because I don't want to be that kind of person who's like, oh, you have to, like, look at this and, like, turn to this. So yeah, I'm really careful about that. I shared with us earlier, you know, that you already have full on, you know, in summer mode. Yeah. So right now at Hong Kong, I've been given even more opportunities to get involved with like several activities and clubs that I really like. One thing that is my passion is sustainability. So I've been the sustainability team and recently actually, since the theme is summer vibes, uh, during the summer, I've been working on the solar project at uh, ESF schools, at IB schools. So we just recently finished installing all of the panels and the overall was 500 kilowatt hours for all the schools. It was eight to nine schools. And then we basically took part in a CLP competition, the China Light and Power Sustainability Competition. And we submitted our presentation. It was all online because of COVID, of course. Yeah. But yeah, so... 
related to that, I've been doing a lot of things and it's really like, I love doing it. You mentioned solar panels. So you were part of an interschool mm-hmm. initiative this summer and you guys were installing solar panels. Uh-huh. What was that about? Um, yeah. So basically like uh, every uh, IB student has to do a personal project in like uh, their second year of high school. And I actually started mine as like the solar project. And then this has actually been going on for around two years now. And finally, uh, after, I mean, everything going on in Hong Kong, they could finally install around this March. And then it went on till like the last installation was actually even going on now. So yeah, and then there's been like a lot of like negotiations and deals using the government fit scheme in which... um, uh, you actually get the panels installed for free and then the energy from them f- gets fed back into the grid and that's kind of like you paying back the company with energy because right. COP is an en- energy company. Yeah, and then... It's actually, it sounds really fascinating, um, but I'm thinking there might be people out there who are listening to this who may not really fully mm-hmm. appreciate what solar panels are doing um, and how your project mm-hmm. actually will help somebody who is currently listening in. So can you tell me us a little bit more about like how this project is going to sort of impact people in Hong Kong? Basically, as, as ESF schools, uh, the goal is obviously not to get panels for free or make the money. It's um, the first priority is always educating students. And that's also what everyone from the sustainability team strongly believes in. So we've had like rooftop visits for students to come and see. We've had, we have this app called Entract that displays energy savings, energy trends. So like they have cool graphics, like the solar panels have saved around like 100,000 trees by now or averted three flights by now. So students can uh, get educated through that. And we also have site visits where they go up and look at the new technology that we have called thin film panels. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so basically our main goal is educating them. Even the presentation that we made for the competition is going to be shared out with students sometime next year so they can see what we've been doing. We have assembly announcements about it. So we are doing all we can to show students how much of an impact we make, even though it might not be the biggest solar project with like gigawatts. uh, It's still, we are one of the first schools to install these panels and this just shows the students how much a new generation can do because Gen Z has been a really influential generation. And if we really want to make a difference, we can, however small it is and whatever age we start at. Hmm. So if a young person out there here in Hong Kong is wanting to learn more about solar panels or this project or be mm-hmm. more educated in this area, are they able to also access some of this um, information? If they reach out to any of the people involved with this project, they can definitely access it. Or even when they, even if they just come to our school, we have a monitor displaying and track data, like in the reception itself. So, I mean, we would definitely like to expand our reach a little more, and we're working on that. But uh, when the solar project's completed, we can really start looking at reaching out more to the external community through this. Hmm. That's very cool. So how many of you were involved in this project? So after I started it, uh, I had backing from Jane Chan. So she's also from our school and the team. She just graduated, actually. And then there is my friend Taylor, and he is in my year. And then there's the whole sustainability team who also helped us along the way. But it was mainly the three of us. And it was a great experience working with them. 
Mm, that's really cool. I love that this mm. is something that, you know, is done not just as an individual, but it's actually a group effort. And you guys are really looking at sort of some really core issues that are happening in society and the environment and really trying to tackle it. It's really great. Other than, you know, your, mm-hmm. your, your project, putting together the solar panels in your school, what else have you been up to? Uh, yeah, so basically for the last five years, I've been working with this orphanage in India because when I moved to Hong Kong, I felt like connect to India, like slipping away a little bit without even me realizing. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I need to do something. Like I've been doing like service activities in Hong Kong, but I need to do something to give back to like where I grew up for like eight years. So I went back and I saw this orphanage ad and then I went there and basically my sister and I have been volunteering for them for the last five years and we go and teach them. But since this summer, obviously there have been travel restrictions. Mm -hmm. Uh, We haven't been able to go at all and we really still want to reach out to them and help them. So this summer I've been working on doing a fundraiser for them because because of COVID their donations have been frozen out or... I mean, they, they are having a lot of trouble. So yeah, I've started like a donation campaign on this website called Keto. And mm. you can basically donate any amount you want. And then it's all going to go to them. So yeah, I'm just really glad to be helping them during the summer when I had the chance to. Yeah, hey, I really love that. I mean, it's, it's really cool that you and your sister have been doing this for the last five years. And it's awesome that you're not letting mm-hmm. COVID stop you from continually contributing to what they're doing there as well. Do you guys talk to them um, online and are you able to connect with them uh, through things like Zoom or or FaceTime? Uh, I mean, yeah, we've done it a few times, but I think their access to even like computers and the internet is limited. So they would rather, I mean, obviously, uh, totally understandably, they would spend a lot of their Wi-Fi, like whatever they have on education, because a lot of them are going to like college and some of them are even like in primary, they're like all age ranges. So sometimes, but obviously not as much because their first priority would be educating the girls, which is, of course, totally understandable. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Well, it's good that you're able to keep in touch and it's great to hear that you've been doing that as well. Um, how, how, are you, how are you feeling with COVID? I mean, it sounds like, you know, you've been able to find lots of different ways to keep up your summer plans. Um, but, you know, how, how, mm-hmm. do you, how are you feeling about this third wave of, of COVID happening? I would say the first, I mean, the first two waves were, when everything was closed down, I was, I mean, I was okay with it. I actually broke my ACL last year. So I, oh, I just no. really, yeah, and then I had surgery, like, in last April. So this year, I really, like, four months, I went straight in, and then I really, like, worked on my fitness for, like, four months straight to, like, get back to where I was before. Because before I broke my ACL, I was actually doing karate for, like, so long, for, like, 11 years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but uh, those two, those months were really nice. But the third wave, I would say I'm a little disappointed as well. Like, I'm really starting to feel there's this new term called like COVID. Um, it's, it's basically like you're tired of COVID, like you're mentally, you cannot stay in anymore. You're just over. Yeah, like, yeah, so like you, you're just like, you don't, you subconsciously sometimes you don't even care if you go out and you get it. Like, that's how bad it is for some people. Like, that's an actual thing that's happening now. 
yeah. from Hong Kong, especially because, I mean, in the U.S., I mean, I don't even know, Americans are just going out anyways, but for us, we have been staying in a lot, and we've had, like, one of some, the best social distancing scenarios here, mm-hmm. so now everyone's just really tired, and I would say that includes me, maybe. How have you been coping with it? My neighbor is, like, my best friend, so oh, we are cool. hanging... Yeah, so we can hang out a lot since she lives like right there. So it's not really dangerous for us. But uh, I'm, I don't know. I still get tired of being with my family like twenty four seven, which I think is is the case for a lot of teenagers. Yeah, like I mean, a lot of times when when we talk to young people, you know, um, family or like mm-hmm. connecting or relating with family. I mean, you can have a great family relationship, but there are always going to be things that you're like, ah. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. you see differently. Um, how's that been for you? Obviously, my relationship with my family is, like, very good. But I, I would say that, like, I have at least one argument with, like, some of them daily. It's become, like, normal for us. I didn't even know a time when we did not have an argument every day. And <laughs> I guess, I guess like, without knowing, it's, like, our way of having some entertainment in the house. I feel like we don't even want to argue. It's just, like, there's nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. So you just do it and it's over in like 10 minutes and then you just go back to being like friends and then it just like it never even happened so yeah <laughs> I don't know if like other teenagers a, can relate it's kind of like you know a scheduled argument for the day but you know this is yeah. kind of like how we're communicating now <laughs> yeah like I even have like an we always joke about this like me and my mom I'm like oh it's three o'clock now it's our time to argue like it's an actual like joke with us because that's always when you argue <laughs> And then, yeah, it's pretty weird, but yeah. Not not at all. I think, you know, every family has its unique perks, but I mean, it sounds like even as you're arguing, you know, it's, I mean, as as funny as it sounds, but arguing can sometimes, it's a form of communicating as well, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Have you found that like through your arguments, you're actually communicating more um, in terms of like your feelings or things that you are seeing differently? Yeah, I think the, I think there is one downside because I, I definitely do communicate more and I think both sides say what they want to say, but because it's like, it's like a daily occurrence, like we don't really listen to what the other person's saying. I think that's <laughs> why it's a daily occurrence. Right. Because like after so many arguments, like I barely listen to what the other person's saying because I'm like, okay, okay. Like that's just like whatever you say every day. Yeah. Yeah. But Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, the whole essence and the whole point of an argument has just slipped away into nothingness. <laughs> Perhaps it's time to schedule a once a week listening session. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's actually a great idea. I will uh, have a family meeting and tell them that. I mean, I love it that you guys have the 3 p.m. sort of like, hey, it's argument time. And, you know, it's kind of like you yeah. said, like you've just reflected, hey, you know, we're not actually listening to each other more. Maybe we should do a every Friday happy hour listening session. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, my parents can't go to happy hour anymore anyway, so this is the new happy hour. I love it. Family happy hour time. <laughs> Let's listen to each other. That's great. <laughs> I'm going to give credits to you for that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So it's really cool to hear um, just how passionate you are about sustainability issues. And, you know, you've really taken on a personal mm-hmm. lifestyle choice as well to, to make this happen. Um, what ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, inspired you to really go on this journey of, you mentioned that your sister showing you PETA was, was inspiring you to do a lifestyle choice in terms of what you eat, but how about mm-hmm. the wider and bigger picture of sustainability? 
I think the main thing that did inspire me was that I really believe in the fact that even though like the situation can be bad or good or anything or our age we're younger I don't think anything like that matters at all like especially people with like some sort of privilege even if you have like an education that's still some form of privilege and anyone with that can make a difference like it doesn't matter how much it is like probably me being vegan is not going to save the whole animal uh, industry agriculture industry but like it, it's making a small difference and i think that's like the core value that I always cling on to like sometimes me or like even any other students trying to do projects have like self doubt periods of self doubt where they're like is this really going to do anything like am i just doing this mm-hmm. for no reason yeah. but i think in the end you always have to tell yourself that no there is a reason there is a purpose that you believe in and you can really make a difference yeah yeah kind of like you know even if like a drop in the ocean forms ripples that eventually goes mm-hmm. out you know into the, like the wider pool as well right yeah that's very yeah cool. that's exactly very thank yeah. you so much for sharing uh-huh. yeah and Keita, it's been so fun to have you on the show and to it's amazing to hear just all the different initiatives you're doing but also really cool to understand and hear a bit about your family and who you are mm-hmm. but before we kind of say goodbye um or see you later for now do you have anything you want to share with young people out there your age who are also here in hong kong any last words so what i would say is that even though like according to the context right now with covid and everything we can still utilize the resources around us like right now we're doing this interview over zoom so you can still do that like the fundraiser i'm doing is over an online website even though we can't see each other we can't talk to each other you have a bigger reach than you know you do if you really look into yourself if you look into what's around you if you look into what you have access to i would definitely just tell you to remember that if you really want to do something if you really want to continue an activity you can do it there is definitely a way to do it there's always a way to do it and this applies to any situation that there's always a way out there's always a way to make a situation different i don't know i i just feel like there's no like fate or destiny like you can always change things that you want and use them to make the world a better place amazing thank you so much ankita and for those thank of you, you yeah and for those of you who are listening in i hope you've enjoyed our time and our conversation to get to know ankita and if you are interested in joining the show very much like ankita did um feel free to nominate yourself or your friends and let us know until our next episode we will see you then goodbye thank you Thanks for listening. This Hong Kong Life is an initiative of Kelly Support Group. We are a youth organization empowering young people to reach their full potential in Hong Kong. If you liked this show, please subscribe and get two new episodes every week. We would love to hear from you, so nominate yourself or a friend to share next. Leave us a message or drop us a note at hklife@kelly.org. That's Hong Kong Life at Kelly.org. See you next time.